Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, July 20th, 528 a.m. Central Time. Higher trade again in the grain markets this morning. December corn futures up four and a quarter at 557 last trade. November soybeans up two and a half at 1411 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up two cents at 747 and a half, way off the overnight highs. December Kansas City wheat up six at 878 and a half. December spring wheat up 11 and a quarter at 917 and a quarter. We had some pretty phenomenal price action in the wheat market yesterday. Why don't we start there? So wheat prices traded limit up on Wednesday. Both Chicago and Kansas City futures tested their daily 60 cent price limit during the trading session amid short covering and buying related to the Black Sea situation. Despite the rally, the December Chicago contract is still well below its calendar year high. The December Kansas City contract, however, traded within just a few ticks of its calendar year high. The December spring wheat contract was able to post a fresh 2023 high. Futures are trading sharp, sharply higher here again this morning. So big day yesterday, and then we posted some fresh highs overnight. And as we tape here this morning, the wheat market has come off of the high. So these charts are just a little bit outdated, which is almost always the case when we throw charts on here. Um, this is almost exclusively related to the Black Sea situation, the escalation there. Why don't we jump straight to that? Russia attacked the Ukrainian port city of Odessa for a third consecutive night. At least two people were killed and 21 were injured, according to AP reporting. The intensity of the attacks have increased this week. Drones and missiles have caused substantial damage to port infrastructure, including grain and oil terminals. So the fear is on again that you're going to see some massive disruption out of the Black Sea, and it looks to be real this time. I mean, Ukrainian shipments of corn and wheat are absolutely going to be decreased. They were already decreased drastically versus, say, pre-invasion levels. But now you've got all sorts of additional Black Sea risk given the escalation. Um, not only are Ukrainian shipments at risk here, but maybe you could make the argument that if it gets bad enough, Russian shipments are at risk. I've got a chart here I'm going to show you guys in a second regarding uh, some of the export projections that USDA uh, has out there. Let's get to this next one. Ships traveling to Ukraine may now be in danger. On Wednesday, Russia's defense ministry declared that all ships traveling to Ukraine would be deemed potential carriers of military cargo. Additionally, countries with ships traveling to Ukraine will now be considered participants in the war. The move took effect as of 4 p.m. Central Time yesterday. Russia also declared portions of the Black Sea's international waters unsafe for travel. The White House warned on Wednesday that Russian attacks on grain facilities in Ukraine may now also target civilian vessels in the Black Sea. Okay, so all of this that's happening in the wheat market, I think almost all of it is related to the Black Sea situation. In the corn market, I, I think you've got a combination of the Black Sea situation and weather, uh, which we'll get to in a second. The weather forecast still looks really bullish to me here for the United States. Soybean market kind of tagging along with your feed grains and, and has a weather story of its own, I guess. Um, here are some export charts. So why does this matter to the wheat market in particular? Russia is the top global wheat exporter or is projected to be this year, and they probably will be. But if for some reason this situation got bad enough and this massive share 
of global exports, which is Russia, was disrupted in any way, shape, or form, that would be tremendously bullish the wheat market. Ukraine is down here, 10.5 million metric tons projected in terms of exports uh, for this current marketing year. So they're not as big of a player as, as they were. I think they were doing like 24 million prior to the invasion. Don't quote me on that. I, that it's somewhere in that neighborhood. But this has come down quite a bit. So Russia is really still the big deal. Ukraine, this is like less than 5% of total uh, global wheat exports. When you go to corn, Ukraine is still pretty substantial. And I think this is actually, I know the wheat market is reacting as if this is the biggest deal in the world for the wheat market. And maybe it's because of that Russia implication or potential implication. When it comes to corn, uh, Ukraine, even, even post-invasion, projected to be the fourth largest corn exporter. And it's a distant fourth. I mean, they're behind Argentina, the US and Brazil by a really wide margin. So that's the deal when it comes to uh, supply and demand and why the market uh, cares about this situation. There's just there, there's a lot of exports uh, in terms of, of corn and wheat at stake here, I guess. So if you guys are not already subscribed to our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me tell me about the video you put together with Brian Split yesterday? General consensus seems to be uh, bearish uh, in regard to corn prices in particular, and that was what uh, I talked about with Brian yesterday. General consensus is that demand sucks. The crop's not going to be that bad. Um, you know, you get to five fifty, you get to six dollars corn. Got to be selling, right? That's that seems to be general consensus. General consensus, though, is often wrong, and I don't have a strong opinion about this one way or the other myself. But uh, Brian and, and I tried to kind of poke some holes in the bear argument regarding corn. If, if you were to make a bullish argument, corn, uh, what would it be and why could uh, general consensus, which is all bearish, why could that be wrong? Uh, this was a good video. Brian also ran charts as, as we do with Brian every week. And uh, we talked about potential upside targets, potential downside targets, uh, areas of interest in corn, soybeans, and wheat. And then we're still doing pre-open weather updates for another couple of weeks. These are Sunday nights, 6 p.m. Central Time. They go out before the market's open. I talk about the forecast, the uh, implications for the market, and any breaking uh, news or headlines. If you guys want to see the premium stuff, go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. It takes about one minute to sign up on your phone or computer. You just need your credit card. Um, this is a ton of information direct from us every single business day. Morning emails been going out about 5 a.m. Central. Uh, Mackenzie and I are up super early putting this thing together every single business day. You get the premium videos along with this. Uh, sign up today, guys. Give it a shot. So this morning's forecast is still hot and dry for the vast majority of the U.S. Corn Belt. The five and seven day WPC maps offer almost no material rainfall for the region. The 10 day Euro model brings some rain back into Illinois and elsewhere. However, the rains are not expected until the last two to three days of the month. The 10 day GFS is drier by comparison. Temperatures in the mid 90s will hit the plains by Monday of next week and will work their way toward the central uh, the central corn belt by Tuesday and Wednesday. Above normal temperatures are then slated to persist through the end of July. The end of next week, it looks like some, some of the models indicating that you're going to see temperatures in excess of 100 degrees across the central corn belt for a couple of days. So um, that paired with the lack of rainfall is, is this is an outright bullish forecast. Um, how far along is the crop? How much does this matter? I don't know. Uh, drop 
in the comments what you guys think about this. These rains in the Euro that that are thrown in for parts of Illinois and Indiana, uh, parts of eastern Iowa, Wisconsin this morning, this is all toward the tail end of that 10-day period. So that is is far from a guarantee. Even the stuff that's five days out is, is tough to predict. So I still see this forecast as being um, a bullish input. Pair that with the Ukraine deal. And uh, you've got yourself a rally in the corn, wheat, and uh, soybean markets. European countries want the ban extended on Ukrainian grain imports. In May, the EU allowed Bulgaria, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia to ban domestic sales of Ukrainian grain. The ban is set to expire on September 15th, but the countries would like it extended until the end of the year at least. The countries claim the influx of Ukrainian grain has harmed their farming industries. With the Black Sea grain deal expiring this week, the countries are concerned about increased grain flows and bottlenecks. The countries are, however, open to the transit of Ukrainian grain. Yeah, so they're okay, I guess, if uh, Ukrainian grain passes through Europe, but they don't want it stuck there because if a bunch of corn that was supposed to be headed out um, via Black Sea ports now shows up in your backyard. What does that do to your local prices? If you're a European farmer, it's it's bad. It's it's going to hurt your your price prospects. So this uh, probably I, I would imagine that this happens. So there's going to be a lot of uh, Ukrainian grain that uh, perhaps has no place to go uh, the way that it looks, and that's part of the reason that the markets are doing what they're doing. U.S. ethanol production increased week over week. Weekly output of 1.07 million barrels was up 3.7% compared to last week and up 6.5% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 23.2 million barrels. The print was up 2.2% on the week, but down 1.9% compared to the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand increased 1.1% compared to last week and was up 9.8% versus the same week last year. Year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand is up 4.6% versus the same period last year. So USDA, um, in its most recent report, they reduced their projection for corn demand for ethanol for this old crop marketing year. So I think we're running like almost 3% behind or no yeah something like that we're, we're within like half a percentage point uh right now of where we're running versus what usda projects so i don't know that they have to make any additional adjustments here this is a much better number and if the corn crop is as good as what people think like people think that the corn yield is going to be 175 nationally that's up for debate um you should see strong ethanol uh margins continue and strong production continue uh what did the cattle market do yesterday uh it was mixed for the most part uh the rally in the corn futures definitely weighed on feeder cattle futures uh they were down anywhere from a buck 20 to 17 cents higher live cattle futures were a bit more positive ending the day anywhere from two cents lower to 95 cents higher cash cattle trade still has not taken off choice box beef had another down day ending the day at 303.59 that was down 109 select ended the day at 275.96 that was down 65 cents. Outside markets this morning, fairly quiet. Uh, U.S. dollars off just a little bit. Stocks are mixed. Bonds are off a little bit. Uh, crude oil is up 23 cents in the September WTI at 75.52. Have a great day, guys. We will talk to you Friday.